every week when I watch it, I see the different scenes. And I hope, you know, I encourage the folks Wednesday night to really take something home every time a teacher stands up to teach. Make sure there's something you can take home that day. Um, we show up week after week after week and we teach. What, are we, what is that doing to us? And same with this video. There are some really stunning images in there about warfare, about spiritual warfare, about the resurrection. And, and over the weeks, if we don't change it out, and I don't think we're going to. It's just too good. Uh, David was kind of put that, that softer music when we need that also. Um, but be sure and look at that and just let it burn into your heart because it's the gospel story. It's the gospel story of what he's done. Well, if you're here today, just thank you first off. Thank you for coming and worshiping with us at Doorsville. Um, we're acutely aware there's a lot of churches you could go to, and we're really grateful that you're here. Thank you, members, regular attenders, for being here, but thank you also for our guests being here. We're in the midst of a series that we're calling Star Wars, and it's a playoff of, we did our Bible school, but it's a playoff of Star Wars, and, but it's really about the battle of good and evil and how it works out and plays out in our lives. And, and now we're kind of in the middle of a series within us series talking about the armor of God. It certainly plays in to the idea of spiritual warfare. And last week we talked about the, the belt of truth and, and what it did and, and all of that. You can go back online and listen to that uh, online. It'll be posted there. And then today we want to talk about this breastplate of righteousness. And I, you know what? I really am convinced. Here's what I'm really convinced of. I am convinced that we see a statement like that, the breastplate of righteousness, about, oh no, here we go with God's do's and don'ts. I really think that Christianity has been missold, uh, Jesus is missold, uh, God has been missold, to God just telling us what to do because he's got this board in heaven and he writes down our tote marks when we obey his word. And that is so far from the truth. There's so much more there. So today as we look at the breastplate of righteousness, I, I hope with tied the end of the services here that we will understand precisely why this is so important. You know, we, um, of course, we spent 14 years in Cobden and then came, uh, been here, been blessed to be here, 16 years, just an incredible journey. But when we moved into Cobden, they had a parsonage. And it wasn't too long after um, we moved there in Cobden that we realized that we were going to survive, we need to get out of the parsonage. And I'll tell you why. Um, there's, a, you know, there's a place and time for parsonages. Well, our building was L-shaped and the parsonage sat right there in that L. And I remember so well, and one night we were, one morning we were laying in bed, and it was Saturday morning, it was a, you know, it was a weekend morning, and we're sitting there kind of laying in bed, and it's like 7 o'clock, maybe 6.30 in the morning. And here's what I hear through my open bedroom window. Why does that preacher have the door unlocked? I wanted to holler, because it's Saturday morning and 6.30, go back to bed. That's why I wanted to holler out, but I didn't. So, so the bottom line is the church agreed and said, you know what? We need the space. We were growing incredibly. We need the space. So if you can find a place to live away from the church, that would be fine with us. And so we did. We found this cool house and it had been empty for about six or seven months. And you know kind of what that's like. And so I went down into the basement of this house. Now, it was not exactly a dry basement. It was one of those basements that were kind of dark and kind of dank. It was just the perfect place to find things that you really don't want to find. You know, um, I, there's about three things in life that I really don't like. One of them is spiders. I don't like spiders. And up in the rafters, you know, the open rafters of the first floor, we were in the basement, were all these spider webs. And I mean, we, you know, have you all ever heard of a brown recluse? 
Yeah, well, our recruiters were not, they were brown, but they were not recruiters. I mean, they were like everywhere. I mean, in our basement, thankfully not in our house, but in our basement, our barn, the brown recruiters were over there. And then, I don't know what the technical name for these dudes are, but we had those mutant crickets. Have you ever seen those? Instead of black, they're brown, and they have really large, hairy, black, you know, back legs. Have y'all seen these? Yeah. Jesus said not to tell you this, but I'm going to tell you. We got those here. I don't have to go back to Cobden. I go to my basement and I started naming them. Hi, Fred. Joe, how are you doing today? It's good. I mean, we have mutant crickets everywhere in our basement. Well, we had them there too. And, and then we had the, 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 the really bad thing, and that was snakes. You know, I was, yeah, yeah, this is not really cool. You know, so, so like I'm in the basement, you know, I'm looking, I'm trying to track the phone wire, where the phone wire goes, and, and I hear this, shh, 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 shh. I'm going, what is that? And I look down, and there's like a five-foot snake. I'm walking toward it, and it's trying to get away. Yeah, and that was my response. And you might say, what kind of snake is it? Who cares? It was alive. There are two kinds of snakes in the world. There are dead snakes and alive snakes. And this one was alive. Okay? Well, it wasn't alive for long because I took care of it. I promise you that. But here's the deal. You know, you might say, well, why are all those critters in your basement? Well, I didn't like send an invitation out. I didn't like, you know, send a letter out saying, hi, we've moved into to, uh, 317 East Popper Street in Cobden, Illinois. We'd like to invite all the mutant critics, uh, cr- critics, critics, yes. <laughs> oh, a Freudian slip, a Freudian slip. <laughs> mutant crickets and snakes and spiders to come. No, see, the environment created that invitation. Because it was dark, because it was dank, because it was largely unoccupied, the critters found their way in. That's the way it was in my basement. And here's the important part. That's how it can be in our lives. Let me tell you this. When we choose to live as believers in Christ, now I'm still with, with the Jesus people here, you know, when we choose to live unrighteousness in our lives, it's like an open invitation to everything demonic to come into our lives. When we, when we are walking apart from what God wants us to part, uh, to walk in, in part, be, be there, it's like an open invitation to say, anything demonic, come in. And that's why we find ourselves in deep weeds spiritually so often is because we're not living an upright and righteous life. Well, that's why, that's why, you wonder why righteousness is so important? Righteousness is so important because it is a great weapon against unrighteousness. It's, it's a great weapon against this demonic attack that we find ourselves in when we choose to live uh, in expectations and up to the standards of God's Word. It really is not about just keeping the rules. It's about God's best for us in our lives. Now that's kind of what Paul had in mind. When he when in, in Ephesians chapter 6, when he started writing about the armor of God, he was trying to find a way that he could teach us all these different things about living righteously and living well and successfully spiritually in this world. Now we begin this morning in that same verse, Ephesians chapter 6 and verse number 13 and 14, and take a look there with me. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God. Now, that's really important too, by the way. Again, I'm going to watch my time carefully. But that's really important that Paul says, you know, he had Roman soldiers everywhere. That's why this was such a great illustration. Everywhere you looked in the areas where, where Paul lived and the people lived, there were Roman soldiers. 
So, so when they talked about the armor of God, they had a clear image. As they looked around and saw these Roman soldiers with their helmets and their breastplates and their, and their, belt of, you know, their belts on and, and these boots that they had on and the shield that they had and the sword that they had, the people could really identify with that and go, oh, yeah, we identify with that. So Paul says, just like the Roman soldier knows it's important to put on the whole armor, so we as believers need to put on the whole armor of God. And he says there's a reason that we might be able to withstand in the evil day. And let me just kind of tweak that a little bit without violating the word of God. May I say this? It's, we may be able to withstand in this evil day. In this evil day. The days which we are living, you know, this rampant with evil. Again, you know, just, just taking the news about ISIS and all that goes on with that, you know, is enough for us to go, yeah, you know, I believe in evil because I see it everywhere I look. And I want you to know something. That in your case, as a follower of Jesus Christ, that the devil's not going to be content with you making a few bad decisions. He wants to take you down. You know, when Jesus said in John 10, 10, I have come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. Okay? He preceded that with, he preceded that with, the thief comes to what? Steal, kill, and destroy. So I want you to understand that as a follower of Christ, you are Satan's enemy. And his objective is not to just scar you up a little bit. His job description and his demons is to steal, kill, and to destroy. So it's huge that we understand that. So Paul says in verse 14, Stand therefore, having your having girded your waist with truth. In other words, like the Roman soldier puts on this belt, this large belt that strengthens his core. So we are to put on this belt of truth. And we learned last week that that truth is God's truth. We need an outside standard. And so that outside standard is the Word of God. Having girded your waist with truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness. So the second piece that he says we need to put on is this breastplate of righteousness. Now, there's, I, I think I shared this last week. If I didn't share this last week, let me share it now. The first three of pieces of armor that he mentions are just different from the last three that he mentions. Okay? First off this, one, these three, the, the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, and our feet shod with the preparation or the shoes of the preparation of the gospel, those three things help us to stand. They help us stand. Look, look again at verse 14. Stand, therefore. How are we going to stand? How are we, in this weird world that we live in, that where it seems like families are in trouble, and marriages are family, and characters in trouble, all those different things, okay? Stand, therefore, having gird, having put on, having shod. So these three pieces of armor are different in the sense that they are to help us stand. So they're hugely important. The second part is this, that these three pieces of armor, the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, and the shoes that we wear, the, the, the having our feet shod with the preparation of the gospel, these are things that we are to wear all the time. This, if you will, this is the uniform that we are to wear. You know, at 4.05 today, I think that's right, at 4.05, um, the team, the Cubs, are going to take the field. And I can't remember, I'll probably be wrong, but I'm going to guess and say it's the Marlins. I don't have any idea. Okay, but it's the Marlins. But here's what's going to happen at 4.05. There's going to be nine guys that are going to run onto a field. And they're going to have different equipment on. But they're going to have one thing in common. That is the uniform. 
And, that, and you know, again, you have, if you're going to play on the Cubs team and you're a member of the Cubs organization, you've got to wear the Cubs uniform. You can't show up with a Cardinals, well, you probably would die anyway. But if you try to, if you're on the Cubs team and you showed up in a Cardinals uniform, that just isn't going to happen. You have to wear the right uniform. And there's a lot of pride in that. There's a lot of significance in that. Can you imagine how chaotic it would be if 18 guys showed up to play baseball and they all had jeans and T-shirts on? You wouldn't even know who to tag out. You wouldn't know who to pitch to. It would be crazy. So the uniform adds that continuity to that. But watch this. The guy behind the plate... He gets up and he puts on a, a padded thing on his chest. He puts on um, shin guards. He puts on this kind of a face mask that covers his throat also and a, a different kind of mitt. He wears that. Now, now when he bats, does he wear that stuff? No. No, no. He wears it particularly at that moment. So you're for an outfielder. You don't walk up to the plate with your bat in your hand trying to bat with your glove. No, you only use the glove when you're out in the field and you're catching flies and catching grounders. All right? Um, if you're batting, okay, you, you, again, you don't take your bat to the outfield. When you show up at home plate, you have your bat and you put your helmet on. You get rid of the small cap or, or put the helmet over it. And the reason why is, is, again, that the uniform is something they wear all the time and the various pieces of equipment are things they pick up. Well, that's the truth here. These first three pieces are the uniform of the believer. Paul is saying, always be girded with truth. Always have the breastplate of righteousness. Always have your feet shod. Now, there'll be times when you need to pick up the sword. And there'll be times when you need the shield of faith. And there'll be times when you need the helmet. But these three are always to be put on your body. So this is the uniform that we are to wear. Now, what about this thing called the breastplate of righteousness? I think we need to begin by understanding about righteousness. And the first thing I want to look at, I, want to, I, I, I put on the sermon sheet the idea of faux righteousness. Faux righteousness. Now, I just think it's one of those words. I must be, is it French? Poly poly vous? Oui, oui. Poly poly vous? Well, faux righteousness is a false or fake righteousness. Now, our lives are not the movies. I don't know about you, but I know several of us really like the action films, the superheroes. And, you know, for as an example, Captain America has his shield, you know, that's virtually indispensable and, and indestructible. And he slings it and it, it knocks the bad guys out and it comes back to him, bounces back. Nothing can penetrate that shield. You do understand that's not real. You do understand in real life, if you're trying to stop a 44 Magnum, the little shield that Captain America carries in this film will not stop the bullet. You know why? It's not real. Well, so often in life, what we do is, is we, we have this righteousness that we think is real and strong and powerful, and it's not. You remember Toy Story? You know, Toy Story, you know, Buzz Lightyear had to come with the grips the fact that his weapons were not real. He had to come to grips that he really could not fly. Y'all do remember Buzz Lightyear, don't you? I mean, I promise you every five-year-old does. I'll guarantee you that still to this day. But Buzz Lightyear had to come to the realization that he couldn't fly, that his laser things were not real, that in fact he was a toy. We've got to come to grips that our righteousness is not real. 
It, listen, it cannot save us, nor can it carry us through our journey of sanctification. All right? Listen, listen to this verse. It's Romans chapter 3, verse number 10. As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none who understands. There is none who seeks after God. They have all turned aside. They have all together become unprofitable. There is none who does good. No, not one. As Paul is trying to help us to see that when it comes to righteousness, everything we throw up to God and say, well, God, what about this? It's not real. It's not real. And when we try to present our righteousness on the breastplate, we're dead meat. We're dead meat. Just like that Captain America shield would not stop a real bullet, so our form of righteousness cannot stop the attacks of Satan. We need something more, and that's what we're going to talk about in just a few moments. We've got to understand that we have nothing to bring to the table. In fact, here's what, here's what Isaiah 64, 6 says. But we are all like an unclean thing. Now listen, listen, y'all need to get this. And all our righteousness are like filthy rags. We, we fade as a leaf and our iniquities like the wind have taken us or carried us away. So, so I need to stop a moment and tell you this. If you're here today and, and maybe someone promised you free lunch, um, which is always great, by the way. If you can get a free lunch, it's always a good day. It's, it's a good day. It's a good day when you get a free lunch. Okay? So maybe someone promised you a free lunch. Um, maybe you're here because family was here and you came with a family. Maybe your wife said, you know, I promise not to bug you again for five weeks if you'll go to church today. You know, whatever you're here, okay? And, and maybe you have this understanding about, about God and about you that somehow if you could do enough good stuff that God would let you go to heaven. That's kind of a, a teaching that permits, you know, society, permeates society. If I'm good enough, I get to go to heaven. And that's what Paul was disclaiming here. He's saying, no, 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 no. Listen, there's none righteous. There's none that seeketh God. There's none who do it good. There's no, not one. Okay? So we can't get to heaven on our own. We need something else. And here's the deal. I have discovered in my life, and I've seen the lives of folks I've had the privilege of pastoring, is we carry that thought over into our Christian lives. It's kind of like we tell God, okay, God, okay, I'm going to trust you. Jesus, I believe you died on the cross and I believe you forgave me my sins. I trust you for that. Now I've got it, God. And somehow, in order to stay in favor with God, we got to keep doing good things. And then that's like so frustrating. I mean, we're not that good. And yet we're going, okay, if I go to church enough, if I read my Bible enough, if, if I don't say bad words, if I don't drink, you know, this, I don't do that, you know, somehow that appeases God and keeps me in the family. Son, you could not get into the family and you can't stay in the family. You couldn't earn this thing called eternal life. And guess what? You can't live the Christian life. It's a big, big danger when we depend on our righteousness either to try to get to heaven or live the Christian life. I honestly believe so many people are frustrated with church and God and all things Christian because we keep trying and we keep failing. And we think it depends on us. It did not depend on you and it does not depend on you. It didn't depend on you nor does it depend on 
you. So we need to understand that, that we have nothing to bring to the table. So, if our righteousness can't get it done, if you're here today and you've never done the Jesus thing, you've never trusted Jesus, you've never turned from your sin, you're new to this church thing, you're going, I'm just here because of the free lunch offer, you know, and you're, but you're, all of a sudden you're saying, well, I've got questions about this. So if I can't be good enough to get to heaven, how do I get to heaven? If my righteousness is as filthy rags and there's none that does righteous, how am I supposed to get to heaven? And the answer is Jesus Christ. The answer is Jesus Christ. It's not what we do, but rather it's what he did. It's not what we do, but it's what he did. Now, now, listen, you need Refresher 101. If you've trusted Jesus and you find yourself trying to earn God's favor, you need Refresher 101 this morning. You need to understand that you had very little to do with your salvation. Very little. All you did was believe in what Jesus Christ, the man on the cross, did. When you turn from your sins and believe what he did and decide to follow him, that's your entire involvement in the process. It started with God, it goes with God, and it ends with God. And believe me, that's a lot less frustrating. That's a lot less frustrating as we journey through this life. So what we need to do is we need to understand that we did not earn and cannot earn our salvation, nor can we live the Christian life. And when we start understanding that truth, we start getting it. Life becomes freer when we understand that truth. And that's where the belt and the breastplate tie together. The breastplate armor, the armor he wore, the Roman soldier wore, weighed about 70 pounds. 70 pounds. And so this breastplate would weigh many of that, a large percentage of that 70 pounds. And you can imagine that that would be a lot of weight to carry into battle. And so if all that weight rested on our shoulders, okay, how well would we fight? Wouldn't we get tired before the battle ever got started? Sure. You know, again, you know, David, David, I didn't ask your permission for this, so I'll might as well throw it out. You know, David is starting a new training regime, and, and, he's, and he wears a rucksack. And part of this regime is, uh, regime is he carries weight in his backpack. He carries like a 20-pound weight. That's what you do with that. Okay? Now, it's harder, and, and he's going to do well with it. I just feel certain he will. But it's very difficult to carry that much weight on your back and still exercise like they're calling him to exercise. Same way with, with Jesus and God righteousness. If, we, if all that weight falls on us, it gets very burdensome very quick. So part of the Roman soldier gig was, was that this belt, okay, again, don't think belt. Think wide leather belt. That would strengthen your core and strengthen your back. And watch this. Now, we guys, we don't have a lot of hip action going on. But we do, even, even me. I, I've got, I still got hips. I've got hips. And the belt would ride on that hips, on your hips. And then the weight, the, the shield, would attach to the belt of truth. And as it pulled down the belt would carry some of the weight. That's a picture of what needs to happen spiritually in our lives. We're not equipped to carry, to do, to perform the righteousness that God's Word extends to us and says this is how you ought to live. 
So we got truth. We got truth that will help us carry that weight. Let me read to you from Titus 3, 4 through 7. And like this is like the gospel. This is like we could spend a whole hour right here. Watch this. This is the English Standard Version of Titus 3, 4 through 7. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared. Let me read that again. That's just too good. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared. Time out. Time out. If you're here today and you've been listening to certain preachers and going to certain churches, you may say, well, that don't sound like the God they talk about. I'm telling you, the God we preach here and the, and the one that the book proclaims in the New Testament says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believed Him should not perish but have everlasting life. It says that God demonstrated His love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, while we were yet sinners, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. I mean, we got to get this message out, guys. That there's a God, yes, and He's just, and He's righteous, and there will be accountability for sin if you don't trust Jesus Christ as Savior. But in loving kindness, Jesus came. My soul in mercy to reclaim. So, so in loving kindness, goodness and loving kindness of God, our Savior appeared, and He did what? He saved us. No, no, what, 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 He saved us. We didn't save us. Usins didn't save usins. He saved us. It starts with God, it continues with God, and it ends with God. Isn't that good news? I like that because I know again how weak I am. It started with Him, continues with Him, and ends with Him. He saved us. No, you better grab this. Not because of works done by us in righteousness. Our righteousness had nothing to do with it because we ain't got none. We haven't got any. Alright, so not because of things we did in righteousness, but according to His mercy. This is so cool. God didn't look at Brent and say, Brent, you're a really good person. And you do, seriously, look at me, you have a great heart. So because you've got a really good heart and you're a good person, you're in, baby. Okay, but they looked at little Dave and said, not you. (laughs) No, you're too much like your daddy. You're too much like your day. You're not in. No, no, no. See, he says, listen. He said this, not because works done by us in righteousness. Has nothing to do. Not that we earned it. Not that we deserve it. Nothing. But according to his own mercy. Mercy is unmerited kindness. Undeserved kindness. By the washing of regeneration. I know that sounds like, like, wow, that's like really religious talk. Bottom line means this. Now he's going to talk about the Holy Spirit in a moment. By the washing regeneration, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, if any person be in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Jesus said in John chapter 3 this way, you know, John 3, 3, you know, this real religious guy comes to him and says, hey, we know you're a great teacher from God. And you know what Jesus said? Jesus said, Nicodemus, unless you're born again. Not, not if you start, not if you do, not if you do this. no. Nicodemus, you've got to be born again. So this washing regeneration means the Holy Spirit, that God does a miraculous work in our life when we trust Jesus Christ as Savior. And, and by the renewal of the Holy Spirit, there it is, the renewal, the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit, whom He poured out, the Holy Spirit, whom He poured out on us richly. He dumped the bucket on us. See, see God doesn't do things halfway. God doesn't half save you. Jesus didn't half die. He didn't half resurrected. He did it lavishly. 
And He just dumps. He just dumps grace all over us. He dumps grace and mercy all over us. Oh, listen. If if you've not signed up with God, I'm telling you, this is the best deal going. He's a lavishly rich God who loves pouring out spiritual blessings on His children. He loves that. Whom He poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior so that being justified, oh, if we had time, just for, for today's one minute, one, 30 seconds, I know it doesn't do it justice, so don't tell me you didn't do that justice. Being justified, it's more than this, but it's just as if we'd never sinned. It's so much more than that. I hate to even say those words, but for the little bit of time I've got. Okay, being justified by His grace, His unmerited favor, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. All that to say this, it was His righteousness. Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to His mercy, He saved us. The truth that we need to understand is, with this righteousness thing, it's all God. The truth we need to understand about this righteousness thing, it's all God. It's all God when we're saved, and it's all God as we live. All right, now watch this. Listen, Philippians 3, 9. And be found in Him, not having a righteousness of my own, A very religious man speaking these words. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law or comes by performance, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. That's it. The righteousness from God does not depend on performance. Ain't got no performance. I can't can't dance that good. It doesn't depend on performance. It's by faith. Believing in Christ. 1 Peter 2.24 He Himself bore our sins in His body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. And the best, the best. Now it uses it all the time. 2 Corinthians 5.21 For our sake He made Him to be sin who knew no sin so that, we, so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. Isn't that good? He made him to be sin who knew no sin, that we might become the righteous of God in him. How incredibly powerful is that? Now, let me, let me help you see this. Because this is truth that will set you free. Jesus, when he died on the cross 2,000 years ago, when he died on the cross, he took our sin upon himself. And the payment for that sin, the wrath of God His Father poured out on Christ. He came to the propitiation for our sins. But then He didn't leave us empty. He credited our accounts. He credited our accounts full with His righteousness. Oh, that's good. Listen, listen. That's good. Yeah, that's really good news. He emptied, He took our sin and then fully credited our account with His righteousness. Now, now what I'm trying to say is this, is that the big takeaway here is that, listen, we, listen, listen, we are, say we are. We are the righteousness of Christ in God. That's who you are. That's who you are. Now, not, not if you live it right, not if you keep the rules pretty good, not if you go to church three or four or five or six or seven times a week. You, if you've trusted Jesus Christ, if you turn from your sins and trusted Christ and are following Him, you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That's who 
you are. You're righteous, dude. You're righteous. You buy into that because it's true. It's biblical. But now here's the deal. We're still left with this practical thing. We had real deal. We had faux righteousness. We have real deal righteousness, which is righteousness of Christ. But we still got this practical thing. What are we going to do with that practical thing? How we live and how it plays out in our lives. Well, 1 Peter 2.9 and, and King James Version says this. But you are, we are now. That ain't what Satan says I am. He's a liar. You know, that ain't what my neighbor says. He probably works for him. He's probably lying too. You are, we are, a chosen generation. Start, listen. (laughs) Start believing who you are. (laughs) Start believing who you, who you going to believe? You say, well, you don't live with my wife. Well, God's bigger than your wife. And God says you're righteous. Well, you don't have my parents. I'm just telling you, you're righteous because God says you're righteous. You're a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people. You know, we should look like, as we live in this world, we all look like we fell out from another planet. We should be so different the way we live. Now hang on to that. There's a reason why. That you should show forth, there's a reason, that you should show forth the praises of Him who's called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. We're peculiar people. We're special. We're God's chosen children. Now listen to this. Listen in Titus 2, verse 11. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all people. That doesn't mean everybody's saved. It means everybody can be saved. His grace is sufficient to whosoever wills. That His grace appeared, brings salvation for all people. Look at verse 12. Training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. And someone's going, and see, that's it, Dwayne. That's the problem. Yeah, I, one, if you're here today, you may be going, I like living the way I want to live. And secondly, if you've been around a Christian for a while, you are a Christian for a while, you're going, and I have tried this, Dwayne. And it's not worked. I'm telling you, dude, that's why you're dependent on, it's because you're dependent on yourself. And if you're here looking on the outside, looking in, you're going, yeah, I want you to know, it doesn't depend on you. You can't be saved and you can't live out this life on your own. That's frustration. There's something bigger than better than that. Now, why did he give us this? I mean, a lot of this book, and by the way, again, not just, you know, it's not, there's no revisions to it. There's different translations. But there's not been a, a Bible 1.2 because he got it right the first time. It's been around for millennia. You know, it's, it's written by 40 authors over 1,500 years, 66 sacred books, you know, writings. It's an incredible book. It's an incredible book. A chunk of this tells us how to live. Now, once again, it doesn't tell us how to live so God can go, yep, check, got that one. 
Good. Yeah. Yeah. Beer is a really bad deal. Check. Didn't do that. That's a good one, too. Uh, oh, 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 watch the GP13 movie. No checky there. It's not there. I wrote down the word, and you write down what word you want. When he said, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age, I wrote down the word delight. Delight. I've been doing the Jesus road for about 41 years. Okay? I want you to understand and hear. If I die tomorrow and I found out, oops, God's not real. They're, oh, Stephen Dawkins is right. There's not a dog. There's not a God. We're like dogs. We die and we go in a hole and we rot. There's no heaven. There's nothing. We're dead. We're gone. Look at me. If that's true, I have lived the coolest life possible. I have lived a wonderful life. Oh, by the way, there is a God. There is a heaven. There is a hell. There's such a thing called sin. Stephen Dawkins is wrong. He is wrong. In case you're wondering. In case you're wondering. I'm telling you, so much of this and right here, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to to live self-controlled, upright and godly lives in this present age, there is no better life than the Christian life. By God's grace, I won't wake up tomorrow trying to get over a hangover so I can go to work. By God's grace, by God's grace, by God's grace, I will not stand up and say, Judy, we need to talk because last night. By God's grace. If you're sitting here today and you say, well, that would never happen to me anyway, son, you're a target. You're a target. If you don't think you won't cheat on your wife, you're a target. You go ahead and puff your chest out and watch as Satan blows you away one day. We've got to understand that, that we all are capable of sin. But by God's grace, I won't have to stand before her and say those words and her to me. I'm trying to tell you that when he says training us to, 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 live, to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, godly lives, it's for our benefit. There is no better life. I want you to get that. I want you to take that home today. God didn't write the rules just so He could make me do what He wants to do. God wrote the rules, one, to glorify His name, but two, that I might have the best life possible here. That's why. That's why. But I need to be honest with you. If you wrote down the word delight, you need to write down the word danger. Danger. There are two When you read scriptures like this, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age, there are two dangers. One is pride. When you think, when you think, when you think you got it together and you're pulling it off, there's a small tendency to look at the guy across the aisle from you right now and go, and he doesn't. There's a tendency to think you're something and he's not. Be careful. If you think you're getting it together, I think it says, you know, pride goeth before a fall. Just understand, if you right now feel like you got it together with God, just give God all the glory and praise and keep on marching. Beware the danger of pride. And beware of the frustration. You're going to learn right now in just a moment 
when we talk about this, when we talk about this, it's so frustrating if you can't keep the rules. You know, the bottom line is Romans 7 is still a reality. When Paul said, the things that I want to do, I can't do. And the things I don't want to do, I, I do. Oh, wretched man that I am, who can deliver me from this body of death? That's still a reality. And if you try to live the Christian life on your own, that's your reality. When you, let me say it again. When you try to live the Christian... Oh God, I'm not going to do it again. God, I'm not going to do it again. God, I'm not going to do it again. And you find yourself doing the same thing. You're going, oh, this is so frustrating. Join Paul. Oh, wretched man that I am. Who shall deliver me from this body of death? And then he said, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. See, the truth you need to get a hold of today as that breastplate of righteousness rests on your belt is that it's not your job. It's not your job to live righteously. It's the job of the Holy Spirit. See, see, the first gift God gave us, well, one of the gifts that God gave us was His righteousness. Remember that from a few minutes ago? You know, He who knew no sin became sin, that we might become the righteousness of God. So, so, so God gave us Christ's righteousness. But He didn't stop there. He gave us the Holy Spirit. He gave us the Holy Spirit. Let me read to you from Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13. In Him, in God, in Jesus, you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel, the good news of your salvation, in whom also, having believed, you were sealed. I like that word sealed. Sounds kind of permanent to me. You were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Who is the guarantee? I like that too because that sounds kind of permanent. Who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of His glory. So when I trusted Jesus Christ as Savior, the Holy Spirit came to live within me. Let that soak in. I know it's kind of... But when you trusted Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit came to live within you. Now, you also received the gift of what? The Holy Spirit and His righteousness. So you got, you are the righteousness of God and you have the Holy Spirit of God living within you. Now, this is real simply put and believe me, we could, again, this is not doing this justice, but I hope it'll help you understand. The job of the Holy Spirit is to take what is on the inside and push it to the outside. The job of the Holy Spirit is to take what is on the inside, the righteousness of God, and push it to the outside where you live righteous practically. He stirs up the pot of righteousness inside so it bleeds out into your life. You can't do it. But you can do it through Christ, through the Holy Spirit, and through God. And that's what we don't get. That's what we don't get. And and 2 Thessalonians 2.13, but we ought always to thank God for you. And this, I I don't like cutting verses up, so this really doesn't teach what we're trying to teach. But we ought, ought always to thank God for you, brothers loved by the Lord, because from the beginning, God chose you to be saved through the sanctifying work of the Spirit. 
and through belief in the truth. The Holy Spirit's job is to sanctify you. Doesn't that sound spiritual? Tell you what, you want to blow the guys tomorrow? You show up at McDonald's. You walk in and say, dude, here's what I learned at church yesterday. I'm righteous. I'm being sanctified. And they'll go, whoa, shoot that thing, son. They didn't know you went to church. Went to church. What's sanctified? Sanctified is the process where God works through the Holy Spirit to make you like Jesus in a practical way. It's an ongoing. See, yeah, we're good. See, one day back in your history, if you're a believer today, there was a day when God saved you. You got that? There was a day you trusted Jesus Christ as Savior. And that, that day you were saved. But that began a journey that's going to continue somewhere out there to either the rapture takes place, and I ain't got time to explain that, the rapture of the church takes place, or you die. And this whole journey is you being saved. You were saved in the past. You're being saved. If you like this word better, you're being sanctified. You're becoming more and more like Jesus. And that happens by the Holy Spirit working within you to bring out what is on the inside to bring out to the outside. Okay? Then one day, you're going to die, or the rapture is going to happen, and you're going to heaven. And that's when you will be saved. It's called glorification. It's called game over. You're in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. But this chunk right here is what we call life on this earth. And the Holy Spirit works within us to bring out what is in us, the righteousness of God. Well, Dwayne, what's our part? It sounds to me like if the Holy Spirit's job and he's doing his job is that we would just be righteous. I wouldn't be having these issues. There's a thing called cooperation. We have to cooperate with him. That's all you have to do, though. It's really cool. You know, you know you have one of them trainer people? Or you just go up there and beat yourself up with the weights? Just you. Anybody here got a trainer, a personal trainer? Yeah, y'all are wise. I had one once. I had a trainer once. But, you know, here's the deal. If you have a personal trainer, you go to the gym... And, you know, if, if, if you're left to yourself, you go to the gym, first off, it's amazing. If you never like to talk to people, go to the gym because you will talk with people. You know why? It's better than working out. You come home and, yeah, 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 yeah. You come home and tell your wife, you say, honey, did you, where you been? I've been to the gym for an hour and she's going, boss, baby, ow! She don't know you've been talking. Hey, man, how are you doing today? Don? Yeah. Oh, time to go. Got to go to work. Now, see, a trainer will keep you on target. A trainer makes sure you understand that when you get there, do 20 of these, do 10 of these, do 15 of these, then you crawl to your car. You get in the picture? That's what a trainer does. Keeps you on track. But here's the deal. You could look at the trainer and go, I ain't doing it. Here's your $25 this week. I ain't doing it. It would not benefit you. But if you cooperate with the trainer... You look like me. <laughs> we cooperate with the Holy Spirit. How do we cooperate? Guys, I've said it. I'm going to keep preaching it. I'm going to keep preaching it. We can cooperate with the Holy Spirit by getting in this book. 
and letting Him guide us. Every one of us has stories about you reading the Scripture one day and you read it ten times before and that day it just, bam, popped off the page at you. It's the Holy Spirit. And you cooperate by reading and applying and recognizing His work. We, 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 do, it, we do it by listening. When he, and again, by the way, second part Wednesday night if you want to come. By listening. That's when that Holy Spirit speaks to us through our conscience and says, you ought not to do that. And instead of going, can't hear you, you hear Him and listen to Him. See, when we cooperate, God's on our... Didn't you say in Romans 8, 28? If God be for us, who can be against us? God is on your side. He wants you to experience His victory. As David said, His victory in this life. And He gave us the Holy Spirit to do that. Now, I've got enough successes and failures to verify what I'm teaching today. I can point to things right now in my life that I'm successful in because I listen to God. And I can point to failures in my life that I was not. So I can address both sides. I'm just telling you, it is true. Dwayne... Joe, Glenda cannot live the Christian life. But God can through us. So this breastplate, this breastplate of righteousness that rests on the truth that we are the righteousness of God and that the Holy Spirit's working to bring that righteousness on the outside as we cooperate with Him. In that, we experience in a real way the victory God wants us to experience. So would you bow your heads in prayer, please? Thank you for your patience today so much as we, as we took time to teach. So, so what are you going to take home today? First off, let, let me just say this. We, we, we didn't tap dance around it, but I hope you heard enough of the story of Jesus. If you're here today and, and you've not ever, you know, followed Christ, you've never turned from your sins... You may have gone to church as a kid, but you know nothing happened. Um, man, we would love to talk with you. My friend Brent's going to be down front. And, and we love talking about our church because we think it's a pretty cool church. But that's not what we're here to talk about. We're here to talk about Jesus. And Brent would love to share with you about Jesus Christ. And the radical change he can bring into your life. If you'll say yes to him. So in our time of decision, which is about three minutes away, Brent would be glad to share with you this morning and maybe answer some questions that you've got. And for the chunk of us today who know Jesus Christ, we're on the Jesus journey. I hope you'll take some of this stuff home today. I hope you'll understand, always remember, I can't live the Christian life. I can't live the Christian life. But I am the righteousness of God in Christ. That's who I am. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And while I can't live the Christian life, the Holy Spirit can through me as I cooperate with Him. If we can pray with you about that, if, if today you've, you know enough about Jesus, to know you trust Him, but you also know you've never been baptized, for like join our church family, if you want someone to pray with you, this is our time of decision, and we'd love to have that privilege. So God, thank you so much for the privilege that's ours to share the Word today. God, do something. I understand that it's, it's going to have to be you. Holy Spirit, it's going to have to be you. Draw men, women, and children to yourself, to Jesus. We pray for that. We pray, Father, for, for our brothers and sisters and for us in Christ. Father, to grasp the great truth 
Father, of your righteousness in us and the Holy Spirit's desire to help us there. So move in our lives. Cement the words of truth today into our lives that Satan would not be able to steal it away. And Jesus, we pray this in your precious name. Amen.